Hi, I'm Gail from Europod. Before enjoying your podcast, allow me to say a few words about Europe Talks Back. In the third season of Europe Talks Back, I want to uncover the topics that matter or should matter to all of us. From gender to bodies and sex, digital to migration and urban landscapes, and everything in between. Rather than focusing on macro-level policies, let's zoom in and talk to the brave activists and volunteers with lived experience, who are working directly with marginalized communities to further equity, justice, and liberation for all. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. November 14th, 2012. It's happening all across Southern Europe. On their banners, it says, For Jobs and Solidarity in Europe. And in bold white letters, over a bright red background, no to austerity. My question to Angela Merkel. La mia domanda ad Angela Merkel. Ma question a Angela Merkel. Mi pregunta Angela Merkel. A Europod series. Episode 6. Financial crash and energy. First, I need to take you back to when it all started. And to where it all started. In 2007, Leaders still hadn't realized what was about to happen. They couldn't imagine that what appeared solid yesterday could suddenly collapse without giving any warning. In 2007, the US market collapsed. Thus began the subprime mortgage crisis. Now, finance is not my cup of tea, but I had to get a grasp on what happened in order to prepare properly for the interview. Even though, my question to Merkel wouldn't be about finance. Thankfully, as always, my colleague Martin was there to help. Over the past five years before the financial crash, money was somehow cheap. In Europe, but more particularly in the United States, banks gave a lot of money, regardless if companies or households had actually the possibility to pay back those loans. The loans, which were subprime loans, had also a catch. As they were riskier, their interest rate could vary over time. And starting late 2007, early 2008, some households in the US could not pay back those loans. More and more people filed for bankruptcies in a matter of months, and then the system broke. Even if the crisis started in the US, European banks quickly got heavily affected. Then, history started speeding up. The European Central Bank, the EU Public Bank, 
which oversees the euro, the EU's main currency, injecting 95 billion euros into European banks to prevent them from collapsing. But it wouldn't be enough. Spring of 2008, that's when the real crash happened. Back in Germany, bankers rushed to Berlin to see Angela Merkel with a single request in mind. They were broke and they needed the government to provide them with funds very quickly. Otherwise, they'd collapse and will bring down with them the country's economy. You would not be surprised to know that Angela Merkel looked very informed of the situation and understood quite well the systemic problems that banks were facing. But I guess some of you will raise some eyebrows when several sources told me she never really trusted bankers in the first place. In France and in Italy, big banks have very close relations with the upper political sphere, which makes governments very protective of their banks. So if the French president, for instance, wanted to understand the crisis, he could call bank CEOs directly to get briefed. That's not the case in Germany. When I talked about it with the mercurologist and journalist Florence Autre, this is what she told me. I think she tried to do it, but she did not trust bankers. There were reasons not to trust the Deutsche Bank. It appears that the German banking system was fragile and partially corrupted. Our all-time bookworm turned to her books to understand the crisis. Therefore, she did some research to understand the systematicity of the crisis. She read books written by mathematicians who examined the financial system through a physical analysis. It was quite surprising. Her modesty while trying to grasp more on this topic was also interesting to note. I think that she did not trust anybody at that time. She only saw that the events were very serious. And then Germany is going to start saving its banks. She then showed her scientific skepticism. As many people were walking to her and asking her money, her first reflex was not to trust anyone. Germany had theoretically unlocked more money for its banks than any of the other member states. Germany disbursed 80 billion euros in cash and 400 billion euros of security to prevent their banks from collapsing. So, for Angie, that's it. That's how things are going to happen. Everyone takes care of their own banks. And that should really just be the end of it. But the thing is, not everyone in Europe had the resources to save their banks. In these circumstances exceptional, where the need to act imposes on all, I call Europe to reflect. At the time, French President Nicolas Sarkozy was the one heading the EU's presidency, and he came up with the idea of creating a common budget. All EU members would chip in, so that the most fragile countries could get to save their banks. He made himself the advocate for Spain, Italy and Portugal, who struggled deeply in this crisis. But Angie is not up for this. Moreover, she did not want to transfer German funds to French or Italian banks, for instance. I think she realized, as everybody did, that many people lied a lot and had been hiding money for years. She realized that nobody knew how big the holes were. During the crisis of 2008, there was no end to all the secrets of subsidiaries in tax havens being revealed. 
There was a problem. Donc il y avait un problème quoi. She makes it very clear that she's completely hostile to the idea of a common budget. So when Sarkozy organizes a summit in Paris, she reluctantly attends it. But something will happen that will make her change her mind. And it's not a moving speech about European solidarity. No. Actually, it was a text. Multiple texts. Her two advisors approached her. Hippo Real Estate, a German bank holding company, is about to go bankrupt. It's a matter of hours. The political tension is high. It's only a matter of days before the regional elections in Bavaria. And soon, she'll have to appear before the Bundestag. She agrees. But it was going to be the last bank they saved like that. They needed to come up with a bigger plan. Now, let's pause for a second. Why did the EU go through such a struggle to find a solution to this crisis? The first reason was that the member countries had been affected in very different ways. And yet, since 2002, those countries all shared a single currency, the euro. The European countries' economies were very much interdependent. If the economy of one country in the eurozone collapsed, it would trigger a domino effect which would eventually bring all EU countries to collapse. But we're not there yet. The problem, for now, is this. The EU has a common currency, but it is an incomplete one. It has a common central bank, which is independent from member states, and its job is to ensure the euro's stability and to avoid overly high inflation. But, unlike the United States, the EU is not a federal government. It cannot transfer money from richer to poorer countries or for the bloc to adopt a common fiscal policy, a common unemployment policy, etc. So, even if the European Central Bank can help out with some financial magic to put extra euros in the EU system, this alone cannot fix the issues of the European single currency. Yeah, but you see, when the Ipo real estate collapsed, it brought Germany's situation a bit closer to the others. And suddenly the door opened. It was just a crack to the possibility of Angela Merkel getting on board with a European solution. However, she was going to take her time to think this thing through. As in, she took a long time for a very pressing matter. And that annoyed everyone even those as close to her as Jean-Claude Juncker. He was the longest-serving Luxembourg prime minister, but was, above all, a key European political leader for decades. He was nominated the president of the European Commission from 2014 to 2019. What I liked about her and what got on my nerves the most was that as a scientist, she would tackle issues by looking at the most likely end result. As such, she would already be examining long-term solutions, whereas we were more focused on the short and mid-term. She would reflect on the issue by starting at the end stage. Therefore, she would ask a lot of questions, sometimes embarrassing ones. She would progressively evolve in her reasoning and, I dare say, in her knowledge. 
She was not one of those who knew what to do from the start. However, she would break down the issues as time went on. That's right, Merkel is a physicist and she wants to take the time to understand all the possible outcomes of her decision. And on top of that, someone is whispering in her ear. Her Minister of Finance, Wolfgang Schäuble. Remember him? He was the CDU's leader after Helmut Kohl before Merkel took over. I think that she took her time because someone was whispering in her ear what to do. Maybe she did not actually need him. Maybe it would have been against the fiscal sovereignty of the Bundestag to throw German money in French banks that were not even regulated by the European Central Bank at the time and on which Germans would not have had any power. Schäuble and Merkel were both in favour of tight austerity measures, which means making severe cuts in public spending. Concretely, that's less public jobs, salary and pension cuts, and higher taxes. Okay, let's pause. I'm going to let you listen to a recording of Alexis Tsipras, the former Greek prime minister. I couldn't believe my ears when they told me he would grant me an interview. Anyway, this is what he said when we talked about how Merkel dealt with the financial crash. I think that the way Germany, under the political leadership of Angela Merkel, has handled the debt crisis from 2009 onwards is not one of the best legacies of her 16-year tenure in the German leadership. This is because especially today with the developments of the pandemic and the way in which the European Union has managed the economic crisis the pandemic has brought about, we realize that Germany's obsessions, especially during the debt crisis, in a logic of austerity, but also in a logic that we must not escape the gospel of monetarist politics. These obsessions did not help Europe. See, he does make a point. Germany does seem obsessed with austerity measures. Trust me, what we are seeing here is just the tip of the iceberg. There's more to come around the corner. But there's a historical explanation to that. Germany has a historical trauma when it comes to currency. And it dates back from 1923, when there was... Hyperinflation. Hyperinflation, basically, means that the currency is losing its value. Maybe you remember this picture from your history class. The picture of a man carrying a barrow filled with Deutschmarks just to go buy bread. But just when Angie thought it could get worse, well, it did. It was on the night of December 10th, 2009 when the freshly elected Greek Prime Minister, George Papandreou, arrives in Brussels bearing disastrous news. The governments preceding him had been lying. The public deficit isn't worth 6 or 7% of the GDP as it had been stated, which is already really bad. It's way worse. In fact, twice as bad. The Greek deficit accounts for 12% of the national GDP. A fourth of public spending is going over their earnings. 
Angie's jaw drops to the floor. She doesn't like being lied to. And this, this goes beyond what she could have imagined. This is the beginning of what could have been the end of the Eurozone. This is the Greek crisis. My question to Angela Merkel. La mia domanda ad Angela Merkel. Ma question a Angela Merkel. Mi pregunta Angela Merkel. A Europod series. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Do you want to hear more podcasts that get to the bottom of things that stand out in the ambient noise? Join Europod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our newsletter. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Discover our brand new website at www.europod.eu and join us in our fight. Europod. Clear the noise. Start to listen. Listen.